0: Welcome to the Trade Securely
1: Podcast. The goal of the Trade Securely Podcast is to help Canadian businesses trade and grow securely. And in this time of COVID-19, knowing how to do that can be difficult. On this episode of the Trade Securely Podcast, we're going to get an understanding of the evolving economic impact of COVID-19. I'm Janet Eastman, and my guest is Ruben Nazar. He's the COFAS economist for the North American region. COFAS is a worldwide leader in credit insurance, and for... Over 70 years, they've been helping companies manage and protect their accounts receivable against the risk of non-payment and trade safely around the world. Kofas has a direct presence in approximately 70 countries, with global coverage and on-the-ground knowledge to make thousands of credit decisions each day. And I am really pleased to have Ruben join me today to uh, get us sort of sorted out and understand the current situation. So, Ruben, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
1: My pleasure. So. We'll we'll cut right to the chase. Can you please provide an overview of the impact that COVID-19 is having on a global level at this time?
0: Well, it's it's the shock being provoked by COVID-19 is unprecedented in modern times. With more than 2 billion people having to stay at home worldwide and businesses all over the world forced to be shut down, well, the world is coming to a standstill since the beginning of the year as the virus spread globally. This situation has shifted from a localized supply shock in China to a global crisis unfolding through three main channels. First, a supply shock, which is now hitting almost all economies globally and not only China. Second, a demand shock with the prospects of massive layoffs and quarantine measures being implemented globally, having an impact on consumers' behavior. And third, a shock on commodity prices, which is notably a result of this lower demand and that will primarily affect emerging commodity exporting countries. As a consequence, we already know that the shock to the global economy will be massive. Assessing the exact magnitude of the shock remains very challenging because the situation is still fast-developing. But what we can say at this stage is that uh, the global economy will most probably its biggest shock since the 2008-2008 Great Recession, with global GDP growth slowing to 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 its to its lowest level since uh, since 2009.
1: Wow! So let's talk about the evolving impact on North America. Is it similar to the rest of the world, and what the the rest of the world has gone through?
0: So on North America, in North America, it will probably be very similar to the rest of the world. The triple shock I just described will also very much affect the region. And there is almost no doubt that we will see a recession in the U.S. and a recession in Canada. However, one major difference, and it's especially true for the U.S., is and will probably be the authorities' response to this crisis. For now, lockdowns and social distancing measures to prevent the spread of the disease, again, particularly in the U.S., are not as restrictive as in Europe. Admittedly, President Donald Trump started pushing for health initiatives to slow the spread of the disease about a week ago, but he has also hinted this week that he is now increasingly concerned and worried about the economist cost of this measure. So in the trade-off of slowing the spread of the disease at the expense of economic activity, the U.S. president's choice could be different than the one made by European governments and eventually it will probably change a little the nature and, and the magnitude of the shock that we will see in the U.S.
1: Hmm. Okay, so the U.S. is right beside Canada. What's, what's the impact of that going to be on Canada?
0: Well, obviously, uh, what is happening in the U.S. will have an impact uh, on Canada because the U.S. is the biggest trade partner for Canada. But we will also see this triple shock affecting Canada. Uh, that I described. We now forecast that the Canadian economy will contract in 2020 by 1.3%. The shock on demand that, 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 will, that will hit all economies will hit also Canada, and it, it is expected to translate into a drastic fall in household spending, and it will weigh on overall activity. The Canadian supply chains at large will also face disruptions, uh, as a result of the social distancing measures being taken uh, here in Canada uh, and also in the U.S. It will also be affected by business closures in both countries. So these two first shocks will hit very hard Canada. But it is in, in the case of this country, it is also very important to insist on the impact of the third shock, the shock on commodity prices and on oil prices. As you know, the country is a net oil exporter, and as such, it will suffer from the sharp decline in crude oil prices. The WTI crude oil prices, one of the benchmark uh, for oil, uh, fell by, about, by more than 50% since the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. So it means lower in energy and resource investments and weaker exports for Canada. It will weigh on economic activity, particularly in the provinces of Alberta, Saskatchewan, Newfoundland, and Labrador. We, we, we will, it will affect also the local oil and gas industry, and it will translate into higher bankruptcies in the Canadian energy sector. And what is interesting is that also this shock will trickle down to the rest of the economy. For instance, the metal sectors, engineering, construction, uh, they will feel the impact of this lower activity in the energy sector. In addition, it's important to note that Lower oil prices is already weighing and will continue weighing on the value of the Canadian dollar. So what it means, it means a weaker currency that will make imported goods more expensive expensive for both households and businesses. It will erode further their ability to spend and to invest in their near term, eroding further uh, Canadian economic activity.
1: Hmm. So you've talked about, you know, bankruptcies related to industries in the oil sector, et cetera. But it, with um, consumer spending dropping and things like that, we're likely to see bankruptcies kind of across the board, are we?
0: Yes. Um, so we, we, what is important to note in Canada is that business bankruptcies were already on a rising trend. Okay. In 2019, they increased by 2.6 percent, according to the most recent data. Uh, so it was the first increase since 2001, according to Statistics Canada. And we can expect this COVID-19 shock to translate into higher insolvencies because this triple shock will take a grip on the Canadian economy. Our latest forecast, CoFAS' latest forecast, is that business bankruptcies will increase by at least 55 percent in 2020. And there is a significant upside risk to this projection. The Canadian trend uh, will be matched by the and, and is very similar to what we will see at the global level. I mentioned that we expected the this, steepest this decline in GDP at the global level since 2009. That's why we're also expecting the steepest rise in bankruptcies since 2009. Um, we expect this uh, rise in bankruptcies to be broad based across the globe. And in many instances, it will be double digit growth in business bankruptcies. Um, there will probably be a domino effect along the supply chain that will translate into a lot of claims activity, particularly we will see that uh, in the coming weeks and, 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 and we'll see a lot of that in the second quarter of, of 2020. And that's why I believe that tr- trade credit insurers, including COFAS, are very exposed to, to this crisis um, and, that, and with that we will play uh, an important role in this crisis.
1: Hmm. I'm curious, and you know, I'm thinking from Canada's perspective and, and wondering all of the things that as a country we could have done. Has Canada's response to the rapid spread of COVID 19 been similar to how the rest of the world has reacted? Have we done it properly?
0: So, Canada's response has been quite similar. Uh, social guidance, uh, social distancing guidance have been issued by the federal states. Provinces have declared a state of emergency to contain the spread of the disease, asking for business to close, uh, and, and, and for and for, and for for people to stay at home. Um, and also, what is really important to, to, to see and to mention is that the support measures to the economy are also very similar. Uh, these, we, are, we are seeing the biggest stimulus programs since uh, the Great Recession in 2008, 2009. Uh, So Bank of Canada has substantially eased its monetary policy with two aggressive rate cuts this month, like many other central banks worldwide. Um, The BOC is also coordinating with other major central banks worldwide, uh, including the European central banks, uh, the Federal Reserve in the US, the Bank of England, Bank of Japan, uh, to try and enhance the provision of liquidity uh, and to make sure that, that businesses have enough liquidity available. Um, Just like in Europe and in the U.S., we are seeing record fiscal stimulus program being announced. Uh, So in Canada, it's a fiscal stimulus and tax deferral program worth about 82 billion Canadian dollars. So it's about 3 to 4% of Canadian GDP. And like in many other countries, it includes uh, extended employment insurance and sickness benefits uh, to try to mitigate the economic fallout of this crisis, and there are also support measures to businesses to try to avoid a, a sharper rise in bankruptcy that we will we will probably experience anyway, uh, but to try to mitigate this shock. So, to many respects, the Canadian response has been very similar. Uh, there's there's some lag with uh, with Europe, where the, the 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 spread of the disease and where the pandemic Uh, has started to spread uh, a bit earlier, Uh, but it's definitely similar to what we're seeing uh, in Europe.
1: Okay, we've been watching China and I'm like, you've been watching China. China has begun to have a bit of a turnaround. So what can we actually learn from what China has been through because they're just a little bit ahead of us and what are we seeing happening there that we should be watching out for?
0: So um, China is obviously an interesting example because They they were the first one to experience this crisis, and they already provide some interesting lessons. So the first lesson that we learn, and it's an important one, is that the health situation can be contained. After two months of intense lockdown, the outbreak in China now seems to be in control, and it seems that the economic activity can start to recover. Um, What we learn from China, because we we have some data from this period, is that the Impact will be unprecedented. We're going to see a very sharp downturn in all indicators. Uh, so what does it mean? It means uh, it means that we will see double-digit declines in industrial production, in retail sales, in investment. That's what we're going. What we've seen in in China, and that's what we'll probably see uh, in in the next data release that, that we will see in Europe and then in North America. What we are also currently learning from them is how the economy recovers from the COVID-19 shock. And and it's quite interesting to look uh, at the available figures because what we see is that about three quarters of companies are reportedly operational uh, after two months of intense lockdown and and about two weeks of of easing measures, uh, of easing lockdowns. So it suggests that the recovery uh, of this COVID-19 shock is 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 both fast but also gradual uh it's, it will probably be very difficult to to run back at full capacity uh overnight after all measures are, are being lifted and all social distancing measures and 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 health prevention measure are are lifted so that's a very important lessons uh in terms of what we're going to see we're probably going to talk a, a lot about COVID-19 even after uh, the, the, the health situation is, uh, is contained because we will continue to feel some of the impact o- over 2020.
1: Hmm. Now I've heard um, indications, I, I saw it in the news yesterday very briefly, something about possibly a second wave of COVID-19. Um, where are we at with that? Has China seen a second wave?
0: So for now uh, there's there's a there's a decline and a dramatic decline in new cases in China uh, and, and and that's good news so it seems that 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 there's the, the crisis has been contained but our, the the main risk is that we will see the second rise of cases because when you look at it China has been hit only in a very localized part of this this ter- territory and remains very vulnerable to a second wave of this, uh, of this pandemic. Uh, so we cannot exclude that there will be that some cases could be imported from the rest of the world in the next, uh, in the next few months, and that it would trigger a second wave of, uh, of, of, uh, of COVID-19 disease spread in China and all over the world. So that's, that's what we called our risk scenario at COFAS. That would create a double dip in economic activity, and it will be even more damaging to the global economy and to to businesses worldwide. Because we wouldn't see uh, a recovery and a, a fast recovery like we expect now, but we would see the economy fall again because new measures would be implemented, and it will it will it would translate into an even higher level of 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 business bankruptcies. Uh, an even l- higher level, lower level of economic activity. So we hope that it won't be the case. Uh, at this stage, it's too early to say that there's a second wave in China, um, but that's definitely uh, part of our risk scenario.
1: Hmm. Okay, so what should we be learning from from the global impact of COVID-19 and how this how this thing has spread? What are some lessons here?
0: So, there are several things that, that we learn from, from COVID-19. There's, there, we are learning things about how the economy and how the 21st economy works. Uh, it's already changing the way we work and communicate uh, because at a larger scale than ever, uh, we are seeing people working from home and continue communicating uh, in spite of, of, very, of very hard restrictions on, on, on movements of people. So I believe it will leave a legacy uh, after COVID-19. Uh, it shows how technology can help to, to mitigate some risks and can be a very valuable tool uh, to businesses to uh, to continue activity, at least in some capacity, uh, at least in some capacity, obviously, because, well, not everybody is able to, to work from home. On a separate note, I think that what it will, what it will, one of the legacy will also be uh, an intensified debate on supply chains, on relocating and diversifying supply chains to try to minimize and mitigate uh, the risks uh, from from global crises such as this one, and because we cannot exclude that in the future we will see this type of health and sanitary situation repeat. Uh, in the future. so so it will launch and intensify a debate on, 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 on supply chains, As a debate that we were that was already launched uh, recently by trade tensions uh, at the global level uh, and, and about the necessity to uh, to relocate and, and, and diversify away from China supply chains. So this latest, this latest crisis, it will intensify the, that debate and, and it will probably uh, change a little bit the way supply chains are structured.
1: Hmm. So that could be one change. What other long-lasting economic impacts do you expect to be seen from this?
0: So it's, it's very difficult to answer that question okay. because well we're still in the middle of the crisis. Right. uh but at at this stage i think one very important thing to note is that this crisis is not a systemic crisis like the 2008 2009 great recession so in terms of long lasting impact it means that it probably mean, means that we will probably see less long lasting impact economic impact uh after the 2008 2009, 2009 great recession we had lower productivity level at global level we have Lower growth and lower trade volumes uh, at global level. Well, I don't think uh, this crisis is going to trigger this type of systemic changes and, and this type of, of of change in the trend that we were seeing before the COVID nineteen uh, the COVID nineteen uh, crisis. I believe that after economy starts to open again and gradually uh, return to normal. Uh, we'll see a recovery, and at some point uh, that will be supported by by the very aggressive monetary and fiscal stimulus plan being carried out worldwide, and will it will allow to come back to what we were what we knew uh, before this crisis. that that's what I, I think uh, as that's what I think now.
1: Okay, now do you have any key suggestions or tips to leave our listeners with at this point in time?
0: So, well, the, the first tip and the most important one is stay safe. Uh, it's important to uh, to stay safe in in this situation. Uh, the health situation is preoccupying, and, and and we should all have we should all implement the precautionary measures with with, with thoroughly. Uh, I think it's important. Uh, I think we we need uh, also um, to be ready for a very difficult uh, time uh i think people are, or, and businesses are already seeing uh the difficulties arising from this crisis and i think that q2 is going to be very challenging for everyone uh so you should be prepared for that um but there are better days ahead uh there there is some positive news uh in terms of treatment there are some uh, there is some Aggressive, uh, aggressive steps being taken and, and some aggressive programs being implemented by in the pharma industry to try to find the treatment fast to try and help to contain uh, the spread of the disease. So so hopefully hopefully uh, we will we will be stronger after this crisis and, and we will be able to to continue business as usual uh, after uh, after situations the situation normalised.
1: Hmm. Ruben, <laughs> you've given us a lot to think about and you shed some very good light. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today.
0: Thank you, thank you for having me again.
1: My pleasure. I hope maybe if you don't mind, I might check in with you again sometime. Oh, well, it will be a pleasure. Ruben Nazar is the economist for the North American region at COFAS. I hope that you will take the time to share this Trade Securely podcast with your uh, business colleagues to get some insight on how to proceed through this crisis. The Trade Securely podcast is brought to you by the Receivables Insurance Association of Canada, whose member brokers and insurers are helping Canadian businesses succeed and grow by enabling them to trade securely at home and abroad. Thank you very much for listening. Please check out our Twitter and LinkedIn feeds and subscribe and share this podcast with your business associates through iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Until next time, I'm Janet Eastman. Thanks for listening to the Trade Securely podcast and stay safe.